listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio. Solid, conservative, and just plain right. FMWVNN. Phil Williams here hosting Right Side Radio. Glad you are with us. It is Tuesday at 2.08. We are here Monday through Friday from 2 to 5. Hey, listen, uh, this is going to be a great show. There's so much happening, man. I tell you what. Copper is running the board. Copper, good day to you. Good day. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. One day closer to Friday. <laughs> is that it? Yes, that is. Is that a dad joke? Was that a dad joke? I don't know if that was a dad joke or not. I think it's a dad joke. I think I think one of the things about it being a dad joke is you're you're oblivious to the fact that it's a dad joke. So mm, <laughs> I have true. to be told. Yes. Okay. All right. Anyway, uh, listen, folks. The the, the the there is so much happening uh, in the news right now and breaking stories even right now. You know, Alabama has had its travails in politics. I served in the legislature. You know, when all of that happened with Robert Bentley and AL.com could not resist. They had to call him the love gov constantly. And, you know, and, 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 and it was just, it got to the point it was nauseating. Well, let's see how they feel about having one of their beloved Democrats, uh, Andrew Cuomo, who has been um, actually declared by the state attorney general to have violated state law related to sexual harassment and retaliation and in setting up a uh, hostile work environment. That's going to be interesting. A lot of things happening in terms of Alabama news. We got stuff like, um, oh, the Amazon plant is back or the shipping center is back in the news. We'll talk about that a little bit. We got uh, at 2.30, we got Adventures in Woke World. You're going to want to hear it. Adventures in Woke World this time is what would happen if an EPA enforcement agent showed up at Joe Farmer's farm? Yeah, it, it might be an interesting conversation. At 3 o'clock, we got uh, Mr. John Wall. He's the chairman of the Alabama Republican Party. Going to come on and talk to us about the fact that as of yesterday afternoon, during this show, it was announced that uh, President Trump will be holding a rally in a few weeks right here in Alabama in Coleman at York Farms. And John Wall is going to talk about that, among other things that are happening with regards to statewide races and conservatives running for, for office. Uh, so I look forward to having uh, Chairman Wall uh, on the on the line. And then we're going to cover down on news because, I mean, we got plenty to talk about. But, but I, I was looking to, in all my show prep, all my papers, I got the papers. I mean, I got stuff. You ought to see the stacks that are lined up on my desk right now. And, and, I'm, and I'm looking at, golly, bum, what is... What is happening in states? Like, like you see Andrew Cuomo, and you see Ron DeSantis. You see Kay Ivey, and you see, you know, others. And they're, they're the governors of their states. And, and you know, I, I don't think people sometimes gather. In fact, I know for a fact it was when I went to Montgomery that I truly became aware of the significance of state government in our lives. And, and we've got to make sure that we are truly and pointedly holding our leadership accountable and electing those that we believe will truly uphold the values of our state and of, of, our, of our people. We're a decidedly conservative state with what is becoming a more and more moderate government. Is it red? Yes, decidedly red. You almost can't run for a statewide office without having an R by your name. But you've heard me say it before on the show, and I'll say it again. There's a vast difference between being a Republican and being a conservative. My hope is that we will have people who on principle will go down to Montgomery, whether it be in the executive branch, the legislative branch, or for that matter, the judicial branch, and will we'll operate according to conservative principles as opposed to just the transactional qualities that say, hey, you know, give me a little something, I'll give you a little something, we'll work it out, we'll pass a bill. That's, we've got to get past that, and that's where we're slipping more and more into it, it seems like. 
And then when it comes to things like running a crisis, have you looked at, have you looked at, truly looked at, what does it, what does it mean to run crisis management? And I'll tell you right now, crisis management is not for the faint at heart. I get asked all the time, what would you do? What, what would you say? Well, it's fine to have opinions, but I'm, I'm usually, I'm pretty loath to advance my own thoughts under the guise of, well, if I was in charge, here's what I'd do. I, I, I don't find that to be a very attractive means of conveying things. But yesterday I was asked specifically, what should a state's governor say or do in a pandemic? And I recognize that God has given me this platform. And it's an honor I do not take lightly. I also recognize he has given me a particular set of experiences, experiences honed by a long career of service, leading troops, serving on the front lines of a war zone, two war zones actually, practicing law in counseling and in ministry, and as an elected state lawmaker, all those experiences, well, they're not for nothing, if you know what I mean. So this morning, I couldn't get away from that question. And it really began to morph what I thought I'd do with this edition of The Right Side Way. I mean, what, what, so what, as I, as I sit here ensconced in the studio studio, right behind the microphone, Phil Williams, with all these life experiences and this platform that God's given me, what, what is it that, if I, if I could put my wish list together for what I would want to hear from a governor in a pandemic, or for that matter, any crisis management situation, what would I want to see? How should I feel after I've heard that person speak to the matters at hand? Well, I, to, I told Rick Perry once when he was running for president, that what I was looking for was a God-fearing gunslinger, someone not faint of heart, someone who can care about people and direct traffic with the authority of their position all at the same time, someone who operates decisively while also listening to wise and carefully selected counsel, someone who is hard to brief because they've already studied the issues deeply but will still hear the presentation and ask pointed questions, someone who will admit mistakes and tell you what it will take to ensure they never happen again. I don't think there's much of that available in the public arena right now. In a crisis, I want a leader who will stand up quickly in the presence of the people they were elected to lead and start off with something more like, we will get through this. We will be here tomorrow. And speak with that kind of confidence and assurance that only a true leader can muster. I want a leader, I want a governor leader who will say, I don't know it all, but there's people in my administration who can pull all there is to know together and we'll get it done. I would want a leader that would direct the establishment of an actual war room an interagency public and private coalition of senior representatives whose sole mission in life until the crisis abates is to bring every aspect of their various departments to bear. I would want a leader in a governor who would direct one member, one senior person to be their senior level staff management whose sole focus was to run that war room, potentially someone who has military and private sector experience of staffing, no bureaucrats, and appoint them to be the head cat wrangler with full authority to whiteboard every option and turn over every rock and pull from every corner. I would want that special chief of staff to have no other focus in their lives at running that crisis. And I would want that leader to then meet with that chief of staff daily and present actual, measurable, achievable metrics by which to measure success so the people of the state know what the goals are and the people of the state know when they've met them. I would want that leader, that governor, who would not long suffer any fool who would let turf wars in their department prevent their assets from being of good use and be willing to replace a person of any stature who impeded that kind of joint capability that was needed in crisis. At least once a week, I would hope that this leader would meet with the press and answer any questions candidly and direct their attention to the good, the bad, and the ugly. It's not about appearances or poll numbers. I would want a leader in the governor's office who would make it known that, quote, following the science 
is only one aspect of decision-making at crisis management. And the considerations of culture and faith and liberty and law will always play into each and every option on the table. I would want a leader in the governor's office to make clear that the government is not the end-all be-all and call for incentivize and galvanize the voluntary support and cooperation of the private sector and the vast resources and capabilities that exist outside the walls of government. I would want a leader in that governor's office who would refuse to allow politics to play into decisions, decisions that can affect life, limb, or property. Politics would not be a part of any discussion in that leader's mind that affects things like education and the economy. That leader would then openly say they did not get elected to get reelected and that doing right ain't that hard. I would want a leader in the governor's office to make clear that fear and shame, those are not tools of that administration. If a behavior is believed best, like advocating for a vaccine shot, then I would hope that leader in the governor's office would point people to the actual successes and the increasing numbers and not blame the people for deaths and destruction for which they had no part. I would want a leader in that governor's office who would not subject their citizens to the whims of international organizations and government bureaucrats whose advice changes with the winds. Stability has to be the hallmark of such kind of outside influences, and they would be called out hard if their agencies and organizations stayed in flux like we constantly see from the CDC. I would want a leader in that governor's office that would mandate that government hiring would freeze and there be no expansion of government that would be tolerated while the private sector is in a crisis mode. I would want a leader in the governor's office that would direct that at least 65%, two-thirds, maybe, of any relief funds made available to the state that were not already otherwise earmarked would be given liberally into the private sector in a manner that does not have the government then picking the winners and the losers. Things like blanket tax cuts, sales tax holidays, hiring and retention incentives for small businesses, state-level matching grants to accompany federal dollars. Those money should not just feed government like we've seen happen in the last year. I would want a leader in that governor's office to make known that any crisis-induced excuse to commit a violation of civil liberties would not be tolerated in their administration and would make the preservation of our individual and corporate rights a priority, evidenced by advancing collaborative work with the state legislature and the attorney general, regardless of party affiliation. And I would want this leader, this governor, to be the kind who would walk among the people, eat at their restaurants, frequent their parks, visit their churches, hug their necks and shake their hands, and if necessary, visit them at the hospital. It's not enough to speak confidently. A good leader must walk out under fire and exude confidence to those they lead. Now, I've, I've watched a few folks who've exhibited these kind of traits, some in full and some in part. Like Lieutenant Colonel Dan Hendrickson, he was my battalion commander in Baghdad with the 2nd of the 162nd Infantry. He was decisive, and he always led from the front. I mean, the men would sometimes say, B.C., that's battalion commander, B.C.'s on point again. He was, he was hard on slackers, but he also loved his men. My first boss out of college, her name was Charlene Lee, was adept at aggregating a disparate staff of folks and garnering all their opinions and getting them to work together. She was also great at staying on task, and then she would also take time to laugh with us. My boss in Young Life Ministry, when I was in full-time ministry, a guy named Ty Saltzgiver. He was a true mentor who cared more about me and my family than did about my job performance, but somehow he always managed to elicit the most I could possibly give in ministry because of his own calling, which he conveyed so well. So what do I want from a leader, a governor for my state? I want all the above. You show me a governor who will do those things and I will be their champion. I will donate personal funds. I'll knock on doors and extol their virtues. Is there a God-fearing gunslinger in our future? God Almighty, I hope so, because we need them for such a time as this. And that's a wrap for The Right Side Way.
Mm. Well, folks, leadership is everything. And leadership in the easy times, well, it's easy. Anybody can be a leader when it's soft. Crisis, when the bullets start flying, that's when you find out what your leaders are made of. It is not enough to look pretty in the office. It's not enough to sit well in the chair. It is not enough to deliver the good speech. We've got to have leadership that says, here's what we're gonna do and how we're gonna do it. Here's what I'm gonna do for you at the expense of myself if necessary. We've gotta have that kind of leadership. Our state deserves it. Right Side Radio, News Talk 770 AM, 92.5 FM. More to come, we'll be right back. 